for that. And I would encourage you to go to a parade tomorrow. Go, go and, and, and spend the weekend not just, just hanging out with family, but celebrate and, and be grateful uh, for, for those families that have given much. So, Well, we're going to hop into this morning's message. Um, have, how many of you, I'm just curious, and you can show your hands, have been reading the reading plan with us? If you've been kind of going through the reading plan, okay, a good number of you have been doing that with us. And, and so here at New Hope, we call this the year in the word. And first, it's just not the year of the word. Like, we're going to keep preaching this way, and we're going to keep going through books of the Bible. A couple of reasons. One, we know that right now, in this point of history, is the most biblically illiterate um, culture that's ever existed with the most access to Bibles, which doesn't make any sense. And so much of that is the church's fault over the history um, and the transition in the last 20 years in the churches. And so we want to come back to, we're going to teach you the Bible, we're going to teach you how to understand the Bible, we're going to help you read the Bible, all right? And that's why we're doing this. So if you don't have a copy of this, this is our sermon series guides. They're in the back of the auditorium or on our website, mynewhope.tv forward slash acts, A-C-T-S, and you can do it on your phone as well. but in it, we have a, just a daily devotional process to help you spend time in God's Word. And then there's a reading plan so you can pre-read before you show up on Sunday. So you get to read the chapters, and then you show up on Sunday like, okay, I read it. There's some things I understood, and God showed me some things. And then you get to hear it from one of us as pastors, preach on it, and God uses it even more. And hopefully you get more insights as we go through that together. So I encourage you to do that. And on the bottom of it is what? Memory verse, all right, memory verse. We're wanting you to not just read it, but also memorize parts of the passages. And we're having you memorize Acts chapter 1, verse 8, because it is, it is the key verse for all of the book of Acts, okay? It is the book, or it, it is the verse that shows us what happens through the story in the book of Acts. And so we're going to read it together. And those of you who are memorizing it, awesome. Because if you memorize it and somebody says, hey, have you read that book of Acts? You can say, oh yeah, I know what that's about. This is what it is. <laughs> that's the whole book of Acts, okay? So let's read this together out loud. Ready? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the story of the book of Acts, right? We're, we started it, and we're, we started with the Holy Spirit showing up in Jerusalem on the disciples, on the apostles. They start preaching the message. A lot of these Jews became believing Jews in Christ, so they accepted the message of who Jesus was as their Messiah, and then the church grew, and that's what we're seeing happen in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, last week, we ended with something crazy, because now it's starting to spread, not just in Jerusalem, it's going out to Judea and Samaria, and that's where we're going to jump more into the story today in chapter 9 as we get there in just a minute. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can open it up to Acts, the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 9, and we're going to be reading that in just a couple of minutes as we continue the story here and learn about God's movement in the early church, okay? So before we get there, um, have any of you ever felt like a fish out of water, right? Like, Like just real awkward, like you felt like you didn't belong, uh, in a certain group of people or a certain place or whatever. There's a couple of times our family, um, <clears throat> early on we moved, we, we, we moved from Worcester, our hometown, down to Atlanta, Georgia. And, you, and those of you who knew, you've heard that part of the story. And we were down there for about four or five years or so. And, uh, and then the process of moving back from Atlanta back to Worcester was an interesting one. It was one of those God journeys of like, we didn't know what God was up to. We were just trying to obey one step at a time. And on the process for us to get back to Worcester and to be a part of New Hope, Um, we moved to this small little town called Northampton, uh, which is just outside of Springfield. Anybody know where Springfield, Ohio is, right? Every 
uh, uh, state has a Springfield. So ours is down near Dayton, that neck of the woods. In this small little town in Northampton, and it was literally like Mayberry, okay? If you, if you have ever you know, if you've watched old black and white shows, the Andy Griffith show, like it was Mayberry. Everybody knew each other. Everybody knew each other's friend, like everybody's family. And, um, and we were moving into a house. Um, uh, my brain just went blank. What was her name? Ruth, right? We, were, we moved into Ruth's house in Northampton because everybody knew Ruth, and Ruth had recently passed away, and uh, and. Her kids still lived in Northampton, right outside Northampton, and they, they were going to rent it, and we were, happened to be moving, and we knew their family, and we moved into this house. And so when we moved in to Northampton, um, in the small town, everybody knew who we were because we were the new family, right? <laughs> like, everybody knew us. And so, like, Nikki would—our boys were, like, taller. I mean, like, what, one and two probably at that stage? And so she would put them in the double stroller and walk around in the town, and then she'd walk—the town, I say the town, like, three blocks. Um, there was no stoplight. I mean, this was like, you know, poop, little town. And she went to the post office to, to get our post office box set up and all that stuff. And when she walks in, like, the postmaster said, oh, you're the Broughtons. You're the new family. And like then like you moved into Ruth's house. And it's like, okay, everybody's we felt weird, you know? We felt like this is do we belong here? And um and so they already had the mail ready and they already had the P.O. box. I'm like, how did we even get mail forwarded here yet? It already is happening. Um and then we lived on the corner in Ruth's house, and our house, we didn't realize it, it was on like this corner by the big water tower, and then there was like this hill that went down to a creek, and our front living room was just one big huge window. And uh, we didn't realize a lot of people walked on that path to get on our little road in Northampton. And you know what they would do every time they walked by? They'd be staring in our window like we were like fishing in an aquarium. Like every time, it's like, who are the new folks living in Ruth's house? And I'm like, this is weird. It was really weird. It felt like we don't belong here, right? This is, it just felt awkward. Um, so that was one moment that was really awkward. And then later on, we moved up towards this neck of the woods, and we lived in a small town. I'm not going to name names because I don't want people to feel bad about this. But, like, we lived in a small town here, and, um, and we went to a grocery store in this small town nearby, and Nikki would go grocery shopping, and everybody would look at her in the grocery store. And it, 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 I, you know, like, in the movies where, like, somebody's going to get killed or murdered, you know, that kind of feeling, like, it's that person. Everybody's staring at that person. They're the one, right? They're going to go down. Like, that's she was walking grocery shopping, she's like, what is going on? Like, you know, is my zipper down? Like, what's going on? You know, everybody's staring at you. And you go, she would go to the checkout, and the person behind the counter would treat her, like, weird, like, really weird. Until one time she went, and, like, another person who knew her was in line with her and introduced her and said, and, and like, as a, oh, no, it's okay, we know her, you know, kind of a thing. Like, she's good, we know her, we know who she is. And then all of a sudden, the person checking out would be like, oh, okay. And then she's like, okay, we'll check you out. Like, what in the world? You just feel like an outsider. Like, you just feel awkward in those moments, right? You just don't fit. And, um, and what we're going to be digging into a story right now in this part of the book of Acts, we're going to have some people show up on the scene that are going to be a part of the church that don't fit. That everybody around when it happened, all these Jews were looking in saying, what is going on? And that's weird, and I don't know about this, I'm not comfortable with it. That's the scene we're jumping into. So if you've ever felt that way, that's what these characters we're going to read about in just a minute. This is what they're feeling and experiencing in this moment. And the people who belonged to the church were kind of like in tension about how this whole thing worked and, and who they were and how they felt about these individuals. Um, God was about to push against all the norms 
all the social norms, the religious norms, the racial norms. Like he was pushing against all of it. And it's cool because Jesus is already doing that. You know, when Jesus taught and he walked in the Gospels, he was continually pushing against those norms. You know, some of the first things he did was he turned water into wine at a party. That's not normal for a priest, right? They don't do that on a regular... And like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm the son of God. That's going to be my first miracle. Let's have a good time. You know, like what? And then like going hanging out with a, a Samaritan woman by a well. Like Jews and Samaritans never talked and Jews and women, like men and women never talked. He continually pushed against that and God never stopped it and he hasn't stopped it. God pushes against our comfort zones, racial barriers, tensions, culture. Like, he pushes against all of it. And when the Holy Spirit works, he pushes against things. And so we're going to have two people jump on the scene. Last week, remember, we talked about two characters that showed up on the scene. One was Stephen, who was appointed under the apostles as someone who served and ministered, right? He was one of those seven that was doing the work in the ministry. But he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was teaching and preaching. And he went to the leaders... He was dragged in front of the council, the Jewish council, and told them that they were the ones that killed Jesus and that they were not listening and they were going to reject. And they did. They got angry at Stephen. They dragged him outside the city. They stoned him to death. They killed him. They murdered him. And then this other character showed on the scene, Saul, who was a Jewish young leader rising up through the ranks, was sitting there and watching the whole thing. And they said they threw their cloaks at his feet like he was acting as in charge and approved it. And those two characters, Stephen now is, he's with Jesus. Saul is the murderous terrorist, right? And that's where we're jumping in the story. Ready? Yeah. All right. This is, but you feel the tensions, right? You feel those tensions that are happening in the early church as we get there. So let's, let's hop into this. I only have two points, by the way. So if you got the fill in the blanks, um, two points. And I'm not going to give them to you until the very end. All right just to bother you the whole time. All right, so here we go. Let's jump into the story. So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Murderous threats. Do you hear the terrorism? Like that's, that's what a terrorist does. You don't believe what I believe and we are directly opposed to you and we want to get rid of you. That's what modern day terrorism is. That was Saul to the church and to these new believers. He went to the high priest's and asked him um, to high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which was what the Christians were called at that point, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He's like, "Give me orders. I want a letter from you. I'm still going to take. I'm, we're going to stop this. We got to take this whole thing down. This whole the way thing." And I, I, we don't know exactly why they were called the way, if it was attached to what Jesus said about himself, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that they all believe Jesus is the way, and so they called that movement the way. So as he neared then on this journey to Damascus to do this, um, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Talk about an awkward conversation. Saul is the murderous terrorist trying to get rid of this movement that Jesus started. And Jesus already had a plan in place for this guy, Saul. He said, I'm going to go have a conversation with Saul. And it's going to be one of those like biblical moment conversations, right? We only see like 
angels, this glory shown. Like we only see it's like a few times throughout the whole Bible, right? This must be a big deal in this moment for Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, to show up in all of his glory, blinding Saul to, to say, why are you persecuting me? That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Because who is, who is Saul persecuting? The church. You need to understand how deeply connected Jesus and the church are. We're one. Jesus is the head of the church. We're the body of the church. The head and the body have to be connected. If it's not, then you're not a part of it, right? <clears throat> and Jesus is saying to him, the church is mine. It's me. It's who I am. And what I'm doing right now is me in the church. And that has not changed since that day to today, okay? We are deeply rooted and connected to the head, Jesus Christ. And so he says, <clears throat> it's me, it's Jesus whom you are persecuting. I'm the one you're persecuting as you persecute the church. It's me. And so Jesus is taking it pretty personal here with Saul. And Saul is blinded in this moment. Let's see what continues to happen. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. <laughs> it's like, he's like, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Like, <laughs> Jesus said the most. Saul just said, who are you, Lord? <clears throat> and Jesus answered and he said, and this is what you're doing next. Boom. How would you be feeling in this moment? Awkward, yes. If I were Saul, I would be scared out of my mind. The Jesus who said, I'm persecuting him, he didn't tell me anything, but it's you. Why are you doing it? Now go to the city. Uh-oh. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, like, this is a big deal. The, the men uh, traveling with Saul stood there speechless, of course. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he, couldn't, he, uh, he could see nothing. Uh, so they led him by hand to Damascus. And for three days, he was blind <clears throat> and did not eat or drink anything. That's how traumatic this experience was to Saul, right? <laughs> He's like, uh, da, 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 da. like, I can't say anything. I can't eat. I can't speak. I can't drink. I can't eat. I can't, I can't do anything. Jesus just talked to me, the one who I'm trying to get rid of. And now, like, my servants all heard the conversation, and now they're speechless. They're like, what just happened? And now they're told just to go in the city. Just go and wait. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. <clears throat> in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told me, go, or told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Oh, yeah, he is, <laughs> right? <laughs> like he's praying like he's never prayed before. I mean, he, he's a priest. I mean, he grew up doing the prayers. He grew up like, I know this prayer, and I know this prayer, and I do this prayer. This is a whole other level of praying right now, I'm sure, for Saul. He's like, I can't see. I met Jesus. I can't eat. I can't drink. I'm just praying. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord. Yeah, who knows what he's praying, but he's saying he is praying in a way he's never prayed before. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, and this is really cool. <clears throat> These are those few moments where, like, you see a conversation back and forth with the Lord. 
and the Lord's grace is in the conversation. There's other times when the Lord's grace isn't in the conversation, right? When um, Zachariah is told, you know, you're, you're going to have a son at an old age and, and all that stuff, his name's going to be John. And then Zachariah says, but I'm too old. And he goes, shush, right? He's like, no longer talking. It's over. Like, but in this moment, we see the Lord in a vision speaking and they're having a conversation. So there's some grace in this conversation. Because Ananias says, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's like, if this is the Saul you're talking about, Lord, I've heard stories, and he's coming here. That's what he says next. And has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who can call on your name. He's like, you're asking me to do what? This is that whole scene where he's like, but he's not one of us. He's, not only is he not one of us, he is directly against us, this Saul. He's here to arrest us. We already know he was okay with Stephen being stoned and murdered. Like, what is going on here in the story? And, and it's like, are, Lord, like, is this the same guy you're telling me to go to? Because he's an outsider. He's not one of us. But the Lord said, Ananias, go! <laughs> Very direct. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ooh. Okay. I don't want you to take this right here as doctrine for all of us, because some people do. They read this and they think, I've sinned so much, that means... I must suffer much for the Lord. That's not what is happening in this moment in the history of the church. He was directly talking about who? Saul. This is a direct message about Saul to Ananias of what Saul is going to have to do. This is a very specific calling, okay? So if you think, man, I, I'm a Christian, but man, I was a bad, bad sinner. That means I, I, I owe it to God. I have to prove myself to him. I have to earn it. I have to, I have to pay my debts. I have to, you know... Let, no. That, this is not a basis of a doctrine like that, okay? The doctrine for us is God's grace upon us that he has given us. And even Paul, even though he suffered much, you read the rest of the New Testament in his letters, it's not about you must suffer, you must suffer. Yeah, we're going to experience persecution in life, absolutely. We're going through hard times, absolutely. But this specific one is Saul. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. Imagine being Ananias. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I got to. He said, go. I gotta go. You know, like, I'm sure everything inside of Ananias is like, I don't want to do this. I, I do not want this Saul, this terrorist, to be one of God's instruments. There are times when God makes us do things completely counter to what we feel because he has a will and a plan. And sometimes he puts us in very uncomfortable places, even relationally, because he's pushing us in the airs of uncomfort so we grow. Here's Ananias walking in obedience and he places his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, wow, The Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you are coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after uh, taking some food, he regained his strength. Bam, bam, bam. Right? Saul saw Jesus, wondered what the heck is happening next. Ananias comes and says, God's chosen you. He's picked you. He told me to come. I'm going to pray. You're going to be healed, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, Saul. And immediately, well, what did he do? And was baptized. Boom, right away. Let's go in the water. He already was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now he's being baptized in water. Okay? And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I want to stop right there. See, this, this scene is a game changer for the church. <laughs> this, what God just decided to do to pick the terrorist to become the messenger, um, it, it flipped the whole story upside down for these Jews because right now it was just these, uh, the Jews who were listening to the message of God and accepting the message of the Messiah, and then experiencing the Holy Spirit, and, um, <clears throat> and they saw in direct opposition some of the Pharisees, some of the priests who were directly trying to get rid of them, and Saul being the greatest one of them, now receiving the Holy Spirit, salvation, God's grace, and a calling to be God's great instrument to bring this news not to the Jews, but what did it say? To the Gentiles. All of this is controversial. Every single bit of what happens in this story right now in the book of Acts would have pushed against everybody's comfort zones. And, and here's my first point here. God uses whoever he wants, whenever he wants. <laughs> God uses whoever he wants, whenever he wants. Wants. God has his own will for this world. And the word will, God's will, it's God's desire. When we say God's will, it's like his desire, his desired outcome, his, his desire for people. Like God has a desire for his work to be done. And he will call specific people to do that work. And those specific people may not look like the people the rest of the world thinks they should look like. God uses whoever he wants, whenever he wants. He chose to use the terrorist now to become the vocal point, the vocal uh, um, leader and messenger of the gospel. What? What just happened? Saul the terrorist became the evangelist. And he, he used Ananias to heal Saul and fill him with the Holy Spirit. It, it's interesting uh, with Ananias. So it's like, who was... Who would you think is the bigger character in the story? Is it Saul or is it Ananias? I, I, to, to me, the answer is yes. <laughs> like, there would be no Saul if Ananias didn't obey the Lord. I mean, certainly the Lord, would he have picked somebody else to go to? I, we don't know because we know what happened, right? But Ananias was called by God to do something out of his comfort zone, to go talk to somebody way out of his comfort zone and say, Christ told me to tell you this the gospel. You're saved. You're filled with the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you're now baptized in water, and now you're part of the family. You are brother Saul. He, he, he labeled him before he even touched him. <laughs> I'm proclaiming who you are. You are brother Saul, and you belong to us. 
All of us have a part to play in God's story. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't don't care your story. I don't care if you're like the worst of the worst. God can use any of us to do whatever he wants. Even if... How do I want to say this? There will be times if you walk with the Holy Spirit and don't quench his work in your life, that he will lead you to do things you would never have done in your own power or strength. And when you choose to let the Holy Spirit use you in those ways, God shows off, he gets the glory, and God's will gets done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter if you sinned yesterday or you're struggling with sin today. Like the Holy Spirit will use whoever he wants, whenever he wants. And I'm grateful for that. He uses a fool like me. Like I'm an unlikely person to do what I do. Very unlikely to be able to do what I do. My, my journey, my story, and you guys who have been here at New a long time, like Mine is not a traditional, like, well, I went to college and Bible college and then I went to seminary and, and or cemetery, whatever you want to call it, uh, seminary, and, uh, <clears throat> and I learned more about the Lord, and I came, and I went to preach, and then I, I got a job at a church, and like, like, that wasn't my story at all. Like, I started ministry at 19. I knew nothing, you know, <laughs> and I made lots of mistakes, and, uh, and, and God's grace was all over me to be able to learn and grow and learn and grow, and, and so ministry for me has been a learning and growing from the very beginning. I didn't, I have, like, little college experience, period, let alone seminary. I learned by God's word, by the work of the Holy Spirit, and the giftedness he put in me. That's how I learned. And so I say, if God can do that with a knucklehead like me, who's trying to figure it out, he can do that with anybody. He can do that with all of us. If we live in such a way that we live open-handed and let the Holy Spirit work. Saul, now, in this story, becomes, later on, we know his name gets changed to Paul, okay? So if you're confused about that, this is Paul, who first was named Saul. His name gets changed, and, and you'll, you'll learn that as we get through the book of Acts. So Saul immediately, now filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes and he starts preaching. He goes into the, to the Jewish council, and he starts telling them, like, the, the person, like, he's like, I know I was trying to get rid of this whole, like, Jesus movement. Now I'm, like, the main dude. Like, I'm, like, the guy. Like, I'm in charge. And, like, and Jesus is the Messiah. And, and he started proving to them through the Old Testament, through all things. Like, he is the Messiah. And I saw the Messiah. And he starts going on. And do you know what ends up happening with these Jewish leaders that now see Saul? And they're like, isn't this the same guy that was trying to get rid of him? Now he's, like, their preacher and their evangelist. What is this? What's going on? They then wanted to kill him. These Jews. These leaders murderous threats that doesn't end through the whole book of acts like it there's all that persecution remains they're trying to kill out man how does that connect with their religion i mean their 10 commandments say do not murder for pete's sake and they're like but this one exception we don't like him we don't like him god he's preaching against you and moses so let's kill him what you gotta be kidding me so now imagine all the Christ followers who've heard about this Saul, and now that he's preaching, it's like, what is going on? Now they're really confused about who is Saul. It'd be like this. I don't know if you ever had a bully in elementary school. It, you guys know the kid that was the bully. If you ever got bullied and like, and let's say every day that bully came up to you, you were in fourth grade, they were in sixth grade, and they were just bigger, and they would come and they would punch you and say, give me your lunch money. 
And what would you have to do? You'd have to give them your lunch money. Maybe you got smart and you brought two pockets of lunch money so you could still eat, right? But, but they kept, and every day they'd just pound you. And like on the playground, you just had to run away from wherever the heck that bully was. And then all of a sudden, one day that bully says, hey, I like you. Let's be friends. Let's play tag. What? You've been punching me. Like, what do you mean? Let's play tag. You're not on my team. What do you, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's what's happening now because all these Jewish believers hurt us all. He's the bully that's getting rid of us. And wait a minute. He's one, what? He's one of us? And so now Saul has to escape because the, they're trying to kill him. And so now he goes into Jerusalem. That takes us to Acts chapter 10 um, uh, that we're going to jump into. So, so um, wait, where am I? I should know what I'm preaching, shouldn't I? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so let me finish that story. So he goes to Jerusalem, and they take him to Jerusalem, and to meet the apostles. The apostles are like, what? Who is this? The Christians in Jerusalem are like, isn't this the same guy that was there with Stephen? And, and they're trying to figure this whole thing out. See, the early church, they didn't have a plan for how this whole thing was going to happen. The whole time, they're just responding to what God was doing and trying to keep up and figure it out as they went. And that's definitely where we're at in Acts chapter 9, 10, 11. They were just trying to figure out what is God doing and how can we keep up with what God is doing? I think it's okay if the church still operates that way. I think we should be surprised by God and what he's doing. And we should be trying to keep up with him because he's way ahead of us. And we're saying, okay, God, we're with you. Use us. That's where they were. So Peter, we're going to Acts chapter 10 now. So Peter, he's the apostle above apostles, right? He's like, he's like the leader of the apostles. Peter kind of raises up to be that leader, that first amongst equals in that group of apostles. And God's about to mess Peter up. Because so far in the story, it's just been for the Jews who are accepting Christ. And then Peter has this vision. He has this dream. And this, as he, it says he goes into a deep, like, coma-like state. And God gives him a vision of these all different animals being lowered from heaven. And God tells him, tells him go ahead and eat. See, Jewish customs, they were not allowed to eat in these kind of animals. They're like, no, those are unclean. We can't do that. And God said, there's nothing unclean that I've made. And, and Peter's like, what is going on? God is, like, pushing against Peter's comfort zone. I can't eat that. I'm a Jew. I can't. What are you talking about? Until he gets a vision from God about this other guy, Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman soldier. He, he is a, <clears throat> excuse me, he is a, um, he represents, okay, let me, let me explain it this way. Saul, in, in this, the tension of the story, Saul represented Jewish oppression to the Christians. And now we're jumping into a part of the story where there's a centurion. A centurion represented Rome's oppression to the church, right? A centurion was the high, highest leader that represented that hierarchy and that control from Rome that came to the church. So here's God now pushing against the, the, the Jewish oppression view into the church, and now he's going to push into the Roman oppression in the church. And so we, we see this Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius show up. And it, and it describes Cornelius as somebody who worshiped God. He was kind to the Jews. Um, he believed in God. So he wasn't like a lording over type of guy. It said he would pray, he would give generously to the poor. 
and that his prayers were, went up into heaven as an offering to God. God heard the prayers of the centurion. See, that pushed against Jewish culture because they're like, what? The oppressor is actually like his prayers are making it? And in reality, a lot of those Jews' prayers weren't making it because their hearts were in the wrong place. It has nothing to do with position, with religion, with anything. It's all about the heart. Are you humble before God or are you proud before God? God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He doesn't care what you look like, what you smell like, where you've been, and what, where you, when you sent. Like, like, that's who God runs to. And so now let's jump into the last part of this story, this vision that God is bringing into this tension now with Cornelius and Peter, because now Peter is coming to the house of Cornelius because God told him to. And he's about to present something to Cornelius. Okay, so Acts chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 24. So, uh, so they had the vision. Um, Cornelius sent servants to get, um, to get Peter. So imagine that tension. All of a sudden, like these centurion soldiers show up at your house and say, I'm taking you to Cornelius. If they're the oppressors and soldiers are coming to bring you to the lead dude, like I'm sure Peter was similar to what um, Ananias was experiencing. Like what is happening, right? I'm, I'm being escorted by Roman soldiers to go see the leader, Cornelius. And as he gets closer to Cornelius's house, as, as they arrive to it, they're like in the Roman soldier hub. So there's soldiers all over the place. There's protection all over the place. And that's what he's walking into. So the following day, he arrived at Caesarea, where he was going, where Cornelius lived. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius had a vision from God that said, go get Peter. And now he's excited. It's like, Peter's coming. He invited all his friends. Everybody come to my house. Cornelius' house was probably a big house. It was probably a big courtyard. Like, he, he is doing fine in life. Um, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. That's an unlikely greeting. And now Peter's probably like, what is happening here? But Peter made him get up. Get up, get up, get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. He's like, I'm not, whole, I'm not holy or any holier than you. I'm a man myself. While, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of peop people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. What we are doing right now is against my laws. Me being in your presence, visiting in this home, a Gentile, so Gentiles were just people who weren't Jews. If you weren't a Jew, you were just in that large group called Gentiles. So they weren't allowed to intermingle. God, again, pressing against cultural norms and racial tensions. He said, we're, I'm not supposed to hear, but God. Yeah. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Paul's world in his heart is being opened to what God wants. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? <laughs> like, why am I here? What are we doing? Uh, what's going on? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at, the, at this hour, three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner. That doesn't mean he like goes tanning or self-tanning. He that's like or that he's tanner than like 
he worked with hides and leather, that kind of stuff. All right. Side note, who lives by the sea? So he's, well, that, maybe he is a tanner. Maybe he lives by the sea. Um, <clears throat> it's my full-time job. I just get dark. It's cool. Um, so let's get back to it. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. It's like, God came to me. We, the thing that's interesting, you see that it doesn't say, like, we don't know exactly who showed up here to come. It was an angel, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, but he heard a word from God. Saul saw a bright light, heard a word, met Jesus. Now, Cornelius, a Roman leader, is experiencing something that very few in history have experienced. God is opening up this whole thing called the church. He's pushing against all of their comfort zones. And now he's saying, so Peter, tell us. Talk about pressure for a preacher, right? What sermon did you bring? You know, like, <laughs> give us a word. What are you going to give? You know, but Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through who? Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, of everyone. Not just the Jews. He's like, this isn't just a Jew. He's Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. So John the Baptist out in the wilderness preparing the way. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing and all who were under the power of the devil. He, he healed them because God was with him. We are all witnesses of everything he did in the, count, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He's like, me, I was there. I've seen him. I've seen this Jesus alive. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who God appointed as judge of the living and of the dead. All the prophets testify about him. How many of the prophets? All of them. This is why you read the Old Testament. I mean, some people are like, oh, we just read the New Testament because we're in the New Testament times. Like, the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. And when you read the Old Testament, even like some of the minute things, you're like, I'm reading this, it's boring, it's boring. All of a sudden, there's this prophecy in there that points directly to Jesus. Like, whoa, wait a minute. The whole Old Testament, all the prophets point towards Jesus, what he did, and now he is the Messiah. Testify about him that everyone who believes in him received forgiveness, um, uh, that should say sins, for, forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Woo! Now this messed some people up. Like, wait a minute, I heard about Saul. The Holy Spirit came on the terrorist. These are all Gentiles. These are not us. These aren't us. They are not us. What is God doing here? The Holy Spirit now shows up on these Gentiles and fills them with God's presence and power. 
in this moment, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They're sitting there going, what's happening? <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is uncomfortable. Ah! You know, like, that's what they're, they're like freaking out. Like, what is going on? They were astonished. I could imagine their eyes and their mouths just looking at what's happening in front of them. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There was the proof of the Holy Spirit. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they, uh, that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. It's like, teach us. We've just had a pretty powerful experience. This whole moment in the history of the church... God brought persecution. He allowed persecution in Jerusalem when Stephen got stoned. Then they all left Jerusalem because of the persecution, because of Saul. They all left and scattered to where? Judea and Samaria. The movement has begun. And so they're like, we just thought it was locations. Like, okay, now let's go reach the Jews who are living in Judea. Let's reach the Jews that are in Samaria. And now God's saying, no, it's not just for the Jews, y'all. This is for everyone. And I'm going to pick two most unlikely characters to be the first ones to bring the message. One, Saul the terrorist, and two, Cornelius <laughs> the centurion from Rome. These are two of the most unlikely people who now become the witnesses of the work of the Holy Spirit and salvation and baptism in the water in Jesus Christ's name, Right? This is good news, isn't it? This is the moment in history right here that we're reading about. This is the moment when it all changed. This is the moment that provided us the opportunity, because I don't know how many of you are Jews in the room, but very few of us have any Jewish descent in this room, that we now have what they had. We have the opportunity, the ability, no matter where you come from, what story, what your history, what your genealogy, no matter where you come from, to receive the Holy Spirit, to experience the salvation and forgiveness through the name of Jesus Christ and to be baptized in the water. We all have that opportunity. And Jesus pushed against that tension with him because he's like, guys, this is not about you. This is not about the Jews. This is, I want to reach and save all people. Amen. Here's my last point real quick. God saves whoever, whenever he wants. <laughs> it's pretty similar to the other point, wasn't it? Did anybody already have that filled in? You're like, I can guess this next one. God saves whoever, whenever he wants. And here's the amazing things. A lot of us in this room have experienced salvation. You have made a decision in your own life, and, and some of us can mark a moment. Like I know some of you can be like, I know exactly when it happened. Something changed inside of me, and I felt God in a way that I'd never felt before. He was, I know he was calling me, and I wanted to be with him. And you know that moment. Some of us, it was a journey. Some of us, I couldn't tell you the exact time, but God like led me on a journey to where I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And if you did, you should be saying, thank you, God, that you saved me when you wanted to. The whole thing with free will is that we can walk into that salvation by our own choice. We don't have to wait till he gets us into a place to do it. Sometimes for some of us, we had to wait till God got us to the pit. 
until we finally called out to him because our hearts were hardened, our pride was real, and it wasn't until we were finally humbled enough to say, I need a Savior. I would say, don't let yourself get to that point. Humble yourself a lot sooner. (laughs) Be humble before God. And today, if he is calling you, today, if you're hearing this and you're like, I don't have any of those things. I don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't have forgiveness of sins. I, I haven't experienced the presence of God like that. I haven't been baptized. I'm telling you, you can experience that. This is still happening today, all around this world, every day. People experience exactly what Cornelius and his household experienced. And you can experience too. God saves whoever, whenever, and he calls us into salvation, and he desires a relationship with us. That is the good news of the work of the gospel. And Peter preached it very clearly. If you don't know the gospel, go back and read that again this week. What he preached was the gospel. This is Jesus. This is what he did for you. Believe that he is the Son of God. Confess with your mouth, and you'll be saved and forgiven and freed Now we get to Acts chapter 11, and I'm just going to just do one little part of 11 to wrap it up. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. What were they doing? Spreading the word, but only to the Jews. They went to Judea and Samaria, but they, they were more comfortable with people that looked like them. But luckily, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of the people believed and turned to the Lord, and it kept growing. Even in the midst of persecution, just because Saul got saved and became the messenger didn't mean the persecution stopped. There were still murderous threats people that wanted to kill this thing and get rid of it, right? That still continued, and you'll see that continue through the book of Acts. But the good news is, the Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand is still with us. The Lord's hand hasn't left. And so today, my encouragement to you is to let God use you, if you're a Christ follower, to possibly reach people that you might not be comfortable with. To let the Holy Spirit lead you to be a messenger of the good news of Christ to those who are closest to you and maybe those that you don't know yet. But you'd be open to be like Ananias. Who do you want me to go to? Who do you want me to talk to? And let God say, go, and you just do it and see what God does to show off. And would we as a church not be a church full of judgmental Christians? And I'm not saying we are. Here at New Hope, I mean, we have decided a long time ago that's not who we're going to be. But there still can be hints of that in us, that we would not be judgmental Christians to the people who don't look like us, smell like us, act like us. And we would be open to whoever God wants to reach whenever he wants to reach them. And then we would be a church that our doors are wide open to whoever God would want to bring. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. I have to today. For those of you online, maybe, if you're watching this, and those of you in the room, if you don't know Christ, you need to know him today. And if you want to know this Jesus, I'm going to say the same thing Peter said. This Jesus died for your sins on the cross, paid for your sin on the cross so that you can be forgiven. He rose and conquered the grave three days later and is alive still today in the presence of God at the right hand of the Father. And he's building his church, and the church is Jesus. We are one. If you want to belong to the church, you've got to belong to Jesus. 
and that you can have a life that is full with him by confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he did die for your sins, and you can ask for forgiveness and be with him today. You can start that relationship, and you can receive the Holy Spirit. And if you want that, I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to say, you need to pray. You need to invite God into your life that way and make that commitment to him because he's already made the commitment to us <laughs> to make the way for us to have a relationship. Well, would you guys pray with me? Let's take that moment. And if that's you and you want to take that step, I would say pray this out loud to God right now in your own words. I would say there's no magical prayer of the pastor that gets you any closer to God. It is our, your own confession and your own words that do that. But you can ask him. You can just pray, right? You can say, God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sins. It should have been me dying on the cross for my sins. I ask for your forgiveness, God. I know I'm a sinner. And I'm trying to be humble before you right now. And I'm asking, would you forgive me for now and forever? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you give me peace that can only come from you? I want to give you my life now and forever. And I want to be yours. I want to be part of your family. So fill me up with, with you. And I thank you and I confess that you, God, made the way and that your son is my savior. Enter into my heart and my life now. In Jesus' name alone that I pray. Amen. And God, for all of us,